0: Welcome to Enterprise Design's Industry Insights, where we identify key topics in the commercial real estate industry. I'm Ann Weston, Director of Design Services. And I'm
1: Jessica Green, Director of Client Services. For this series, we're discussing market trends with Dallas-based commercial real estate professionals. Thank you both for joining us. We're excited to be here.
2: Absolutely. Thank you guys for having us.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. So for this series, we're focusing on the topic of key issues for tenants and their representation.
0: Hannah, are existing tenants uh, keeping their current square footage or are you seeing an increase or a decrease?
3: So this is a great question. We are seeing tenants decrease their square footage. That said, they're not necessarily lowering occupancy costs. If you had a client that was in a class A building, but taking 10,000 square feet. Um, We're seeing groups now maybe move into a double class A building, but take 6,000 square feet. Um, So, I mean, yes, less square footage, but we're seeing groups move in to nicer spaces, which is interesting. Um, And I mean, that's all just goes back to getting employees back to the office. Um, And then, I mean, I think, especially here in Texas, as it is one of the hotter real estate markets, there are certain groups that not only are keeping their existing square footage, but are expanding, but that's a certain industry type. I would say a lot of tech groups that I'm working with are growing pretty quickly and they're taking more square footage. Um, But then you have other types of firms that are okay with not having as much space.
2: Well, and I'd say to, to Hannah's point, really when it comes to square footage, what we're seeing, and, and she was alluding to this, is, is a flight right. to quality. Right. So, so let's say you've like, got a company that's that's currently sitting down feet, and they're looking at going to a nicer building. So they were paying $30 a foot, and now they're gonna look at a building that's being closer to 40. Nicer building, better feel, helps on keeping employees in the office, helps with retention, helps with recruiting. What they'll do is they'll look at saying, okay, instead of having 10,000 feet, I'm going to go to 8,000 feet. I'm going to cut my actual square footage by 20%. I'll raise my occupancy cost by 25%. And overall, I'm still at about the same price yeah. on, a, on a monthly and annual basis, yeah. but I'm creating a better space for my employees.
3: Which is so important for recruiting and retaining talent.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's... We absolutely agree with that, and we're seeing that ourselves, and especially on the design side, when we're helping whenever they do have the space, kind of making it come to life and stuff. But the right. building in itself helps a lot. With it that, does, and the it quality. really does,
0: right. So. And with spec suites as well, I know you mentioned, you know, the quality of the suite, you know, maybe a little bit better to kind of right. bring people back in. And it just makes
3: it easier. Like if you right. have a brand new spec suite, it's easy mm-hmm. to move your stuff. The space is basically ready. All you have to do is set up your monitors and you're good to go. It's right. a little more complicated than that. But. <laughs> well, Hannah, I agree with you. I definitely
0: appreciate being here in Dallas because oh, the market right. has been great.
3: Oh, it's amazing. We work with brokers in other states. And they're like, oh, we're still at home. I'm like, well, I've been in the office for the past, like, year and a half. N- not mad about it, though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, I'm going to go to the next question, and both of you kind of chime in like we've been going. Um, but I'll start with Joel. Uh, what is the trend that tenants are requesting for recruitment and retention? It's
2: a great question. so, you know, there, there's a lot of things that are going to play into that. Um, let, let's start with recruitment so i was reading a really interesting article this morning that was suggesting that and i don't have the exact numbers but essentially just below half of the people in the workforce these days are millennials so it's you know everything from me which i would consider to be one of the elder millennials um, down to someone like hannah who is 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 not on the younger end of the millennial age but is kind of down to more of the 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 lower age in that group
3: i'm technically actually not a millennial
2: oh my goodness are you really not? I didn't know that. Okay, no. I'm I Gen, don't.
3: whatever the Gen Z, yeah. The next one is.
2: Okay. I'm so glad to feel old today. There's
3: also a new. There's, there's <laughs> a new we're one called
1: Alpha role. too. So Al- just I had to go through all the generations yesterday. Oh my yesterday, god! Yeah, so. no, I'm, I'm
3: I'm the cutoff. So
2: <laughs> didn't know that? All right. Well, anyways, so as far as recruitment goes, you know, so we're looking at a group of younger individuals that for a lot of them is their first time entering into the workforce. Right. And so what they've been used to and what they've seen, whether it is from friends or from the movies or TV or whatever, is they've seen this really exciting, high energy, you know, cool space. Right. You know, what, what, what comes to mind would be something like PwC Tower uh, over right off Clyde Warren. You've got an amazing building, highly amenitized Um, highly walkable, not just monetized in the building, but also monetized around the area. I mean, you've got restaurants, you've got bars, you've got a park, you've got workout, you've got, you know, fitness classes galore. And so as companies and as our clients are looking at how do we recruit, the first thing you have to do is they have to look at their office space and they have to say, am I gonna be able to, when I am looking at, you know, if I'm looking at trying to hire Hannah, is she gonna wanna walk into A dumpy older building that doesn't have a coffee shop or doesn't have a gym or doesn't have even just a good aesthetic, am I going to be more likely to get her there or am I going to be more likely to get her in somewhere like PwC's building where she walks in and from the second she walks in, it's grandiose, it's exciting, it's energetic, it's Beautiful. It's it's fun, and so you know, really, the 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 first thing, especially for recruiting, is you want something that's highly monetized,
0: right? And you mentioned walkability, but you know, I think these days it's not only just walkability; it's convenience. Right. You know, Absolutely. With Amazon and all of the other things that have everything at your fingertips, you really want that in the office as right. well. Right. so used because to it now. Otherwise, you know, what is going to pull people out of their homes? What is going to pull people out of you know? Right working from off the beach. Um, You know, you want people (laughs) back into the building. Yeah, and
3: And I I think, um, you know, we were seeing your typical office, not not very collaborative. Now we're seeing offices turn into social spaces. So we're getting away from the cubes, we're getting the tightly packed cubes, cubes are still around. Um, But it's more spacious, it's more lounge style, and they're reflecting their office space as, you know, an area to come to be social and to have that face-to-face collaboration. So I think pivoting from the standard, like this is your nine-to-five office, go to your desk, sit down, having those areas where you can come and meet and talk and, you know, just bounce ideas off of each other, grab lunch, um, I think that's important. So just making the space gear towards more of a social aspect
1: I agree, because it just makes it more fun and right. it's collaborative and like ideas happen right. that way
3: instead of kind of just Pers- being yeah,
1: in kind I, of a stale exactly. environment, you know, having it. I yeah. love going to work and working with all
0: these, all these voices. <laughs> yeah, cool. it definitely makes people invested in their company as well, mm-hmm. you know, interfacing mm-hmm. with the people around you, interfacing with leadership. Uh, you know, if you're not visible, what's going to get you to that next step? How are you going to climb that ladder if all you're sitting right. is, you know, behind your desk at home? Right.
3: And I think at the very end of the day, in order to retain and recruit good talent, you have to be known to have a good culture. And having a good culture is partially to do with the office space that you're in. I absolutely agree.
2: And, and I would say, and, and we've we, we've looked a lot at at recruitment but retention is also obviously incredibly important and and i believe you just you said something to this but you know if you've got two employees you have employee a and employee b and they're hired on the same day for the same job and one you say all right you're going to go work from home and the other you say hey i want you in the office four days a week as those people are working and growing in their careers who's going to be seen by leadership who's going to be seen you know, going out of their way to do more and have the opportunity to be promoted within the company. You know, retention is important because, you know, the young guys and gals that are getting hired today are not just, you know, entry-level or mid-level employees. They're the future of tomorrow. They're our next leaders. And so retention is, is so important and so valuable because you're not just looking to see who can I keep on the hook for the next five years. You're saying, Who's gonna be the next CEO? Who's gonna be the next CFO? Who's gonna be the next, you know, you name it. Who's gonna be the person that's gonna be stepping into these roles in leadership year over year? And so we, we don't just need a space that's exciting to get people to take the job. We need a space that's exciting to get people to stay at the job, to come in day after day, and to have the opportunity to continue to grow.
1: That's awesome, absolutely.
0: Well, looking at our next question, um, you know, I think this question is really great. It's what are the biggest challenges you are facing with finding space for your
3: tenant? So with COVID, a lot of sublease space got put on the market. And prior to COVID, I don't think subleases were as attractive. But when COVID happened, people are seeing that there were these spaces, a lot of people out of state, but there were these spaces that were plug and play, discounted rate, shorter terms. So those spaces started to go pretty quickly. And then because of that, landlords started to create more spec suites. Um, We've even seen some landlords offer fully furnished spaces. All that to say, those spaces that once were kind of sitting are going so, so, so quickly. So like, I'll put a survey together for a client and then by the time they want a tour, two of the spaces are already leased. So I think just the product itself is tough. And I mean, this is mainly for class A space, class B, it's a little easier, Mm -hmm, I would say. mm -hmm. But for class A spec suites and nice sublease spaces that are moving ready, it's just like you have to get on those as soon as possible if you want them.
2: Well, yeah. And and also, you know, because we are coming out of COVID from the last two years, and also with the, you know, fun, exciting word of potential recession on the horizon, you have a lot of owners, you have a lot of companies that are looking at space and saying, oh, well, hey, we're sure rates are going to drop they're, They have to drop. You know, if the economy is not doing good. The rates must drop. But in reality, what we're seeing is, especially in the Class A and in Trophy product, we're seeing increases in rates still.
3: They're actually up 2% since beginning of COVID. And our clients think that since COVID just happened, they're going to get a discounted rate and it's just educating them and saying, No, the DFW market is very hot and the rates aren't going down, if anything, Mm -hmm. they're going up. Mm -hmm. Do you say it's because of all the companies that are coming here? Yeah, I mean, I just think DFW is a great place to do business. And a lot of people are starting to realize that. Um, And I mean, people here are okay with going to the office more so than people in other states. Um, So I think it's a combo of people coming here, but then also people being a little bit more comfortable with going to the office.
2: Yeah, I think there's also a, a, a part to that that's just pure supply and demand. Right. I mean, look at Weir's Tower. It was 100% leased before it was actually fully delivered.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: When they, I believe, and, and I, I, I may be slightly off of my rates, but when I first uh, talked to Justin Shulkoff, who was, who was developing it, he was telling me they were planning on quoting rates around 46 to 48 triple net. And by the time the building was complete, they were they had rates well into the low fifties.
3: And people were gladly paying them, like were begging to pay for them.
2: Absolutely. Another mm-hmm. another example, the link. There were groups that that signed, I wanna say forty some forty-eight net. And we had a group that toured it recently and we were getting quoted fifty to fifty-two triple net. And so we're continuing to see those increases. Because the demand's there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Right, and when people are willing to pay for it and the good quality that it is. Exactly. So. If people are willing to pay, they'll keep those
0: rates high. That's and something. you mentioned the Class A and Class AA just kind of flying off the market the way it is. It is you know, we're crazy. seeing a lot of, you know, the Class B and even the Class C buildings mm-hmm. starting to amenitize their buildings the they same to way. They have to compete, yeah. Right, they absolutely have to. And, you know, we're seeing a big push with all of those landlords to redo the lobby, amenitize the building, mm-hmm. to people, but also keep the rates low
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, so that they, do, they still can compete with right. some of those other Class A buildings. They're
1: almost competing within themselves on the B level. Right. Because and they the don't want to get up to the A because then they're competing on that. So it's kind of finding ways what we can do to help with these Class Bs that are, can be competitive right. but and not right. getting up the rates that are skyrocketing. Yeah, parking.
3: and the Class B, they're sitting a little bit more than the Class A. But mm-hmm. it, once they start amenitizing and updating, it'll be a different story.
1: So what are the most helpful tools, research, or advice from vendors that play an important role in guiding your clients?
2: I like that question. Yeah, I
3: do too. I really do. All
2: right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with an example. So I had a, a client recently that was looking for furniture. I am not a furniture salesperson. I do not know much about furniture. You can ask my wife. I am about as dumb as they get when it comes to furniture. But what I what what they did for me, this group, came in and they said, How can we help you? And I said, Well, as I'm talking about what is cost per square foot, and we're talking about TI packages, and we're talking about, you know, what it's gonna cost to actual occupy. When we start talking about furniture, I wanna be able to show them, okay, let's say, you know, building out our space is gonna cost fifty-five dollars a foot, which is a relatively low price given the current state of the market but let's say in a in a in a nice second gen we're updating a few things and we're trying to get a space that's almost moving ready across the goal line and and changing a few things um if we're going to include furniture in there what would it cost to have kind of a a low tier a mid-tier and a high tier furniture and so what they did for me was they created a one-pager that showed small sample packages of furniture and roughly what the price would be. So at $15 a foot, here's what you can get. At $25 a foot, here's what you can get at $35. And so having really good little, you know, one page touch points is huge for us because, because you know, my my job is not to understand what's going on in furniture, but I need to know enough to be dangerous, or I need to have enough information behind me to be able to show them what they need to see.
3: Right. And- For our business, we have to do a lot of prospecting. We're having to constantly um, touch up with existing prospects, people we're chasing. So I think having cool marketing materials that we can also use as touch points as prospecting for our clients is big. Um, And then, I mean, this is something that I'm realizing is more and more important every single day, but just open communication. Mm -hmm. Like, even if you don't have an update, tell me you don't have an update. Just... Inform me, so I can set expectations for my client, the worst is when you're working a deal with somebody and your client's blowing you up and you need an answer and they just go silent because that just gets my client mad at me. Um, So I think communication is huge. Just effectively, efficiently communicating. We don't need to have calls every single day. We don't really even need to have too many calls. Like if there's not an update, just shoot me a quick text. Um, But communication is huge.
0: Yeah, I've heard recently that a lot of just the movement and kind of the fast pace of everything is making stuff start to feel like dating apps where, Mm -hmm. you know, all of a sudden you've just been
3: ghosted. And, you know,
0: it's not great, but,
3: you know, it's terrible. And then it's a lot. Um, But yeah, just I need to be able to update my client and I can't update my client if you don't update me. And if I do, I'm going to have to just make something up and I don't want to have to do that. Exactly. So communication is yeah. huge. We, we love, love it. communication. So I love we we do. really appreciate it. <laughs> and, and I mean, it's one of those skills that it seems a little bit more complicated, but then when you realize like, if we're touching base, yes. you don't have to tell me exactly what's going on. You can simply say, this is happening. Don't have anything yet. I'll let you know tomorrow. Right, like high level. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Just so that you can, cause you're talking to your client Constantly.
3: And so you want to have, you know, just high level things to tell them. Right. And And one thing I'm realizing recently is tenants are waiting longer and longer to find the space they need. So then when it is time, it's like crunch time. And they're like, all right, we gotta go, we gotta go. And I'm like, I've been calling you for three months, but (laughs)
2: well, and you to that point, you know, fun buzzword that everyone's throwing around right now that is horrible is is lead times. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean setting expectations.
2: Yeah, right back to setting expectations. I mean You know when we've got some small product that's going into a space that's sitting you know back ordered 12 to 16 weeks right now we need to know that and and really and and i'd say we need to know that really more you know as we're as we partner with our project development teams and and are working with our, our pds crew really that that more is is on their end but when we are the single point of contact that's trying to maintain and handle that relationship you know having that transparency mm-hmm. and having that just open communication on all ends is is so valuable for us. Yeah.
3: Even if it's not the best news up front, like it, it's going to take six months to get something, let me know. Absolutely. I, I feel like sometimes people kind of beat around the bush because they don't want to deliver the bad news, but just deliver the bad news so I can set expectations. Makes my life easier, makes your life easier.
2: Everybody knows the bad news is coming right now. Exactly. exactly. I mean,
1: Being transparent is the best thing and you need to be honest with your clients so that they're
3: in the right space. Exactly, it just goes hand in hand with communication. So overall touch points, communication, setting expectations. Love it. Great. Well,
0: looking at our last question, uh, if you could pick three buildings in DFW that display qualities of forward thinking for tenants, which would you pick?
2: Can I reshape your question? Of course. All right, how about three sub markets?
3: Okay. okay. Can so do
2: that. let's look at kind of three of the, the big submarkets right now. You've got kind of Frisco Legacy. You've got Uptown, Downtown. And then you've got, let's go with Las Colinas.
3: Los, uh, yeah, I think that's good. So, so for, for Frisco Plano, um, one thing that, so I, work, I do a lot of work in Frisco Plano. They've done a great job at creating certain building parks. So there's Hall Park and there's Granite Park. I love working with both of them um but one thing that's neat about those groups is you know there's 13 buildings in Hall Park and if there's a conference room booked in one building you can go to the other building and use that conference room or if you need to book i don't even know i, I don't know but if there's not a fitness center in your building you can go to the other building um another thing i like about the building parks is if you have a five-year lease, you're three years into the lease and you realize you need to expand because there's other buildings in the building park under the same ownership, it's easy to pivot and possibly move into a 10,000 square foot space at the building right across the street. Right. So It's really
0: more of that campus feel exactly, rather than the individual building Exactly. Feel. I think
3: it creates a community. Um, it creates flexibility, which I think is important in today's market. Um one thing that we're seeing a lot with our clients is they really don't know how big they're going to be. So they're like, I mean, yeah, we'll take 10,000 square feet right now, but I think we're going to be fifteen to 20,000 square feet in the next two years. But that, that's tough because like you don't want to take that extra 10,000 square feet, pay on it, and then waste all that money. Um, so just having the flexibility to kind of pivot when you need to. Yeah. right?
2: You know, Uptown, I mentioned these earlier, but you know, PwC Tower that building is is just unbelievable when it comes to really having everything people are looking for. It's got restaurants, it's got bars, it's got, you know, fitness center, conference room, it's on the park, great building, highly amenitized. The Link, another really cool option, uh, when Kaizen uh, Development did that building, you know, they, they had a really creative thought in mind. They have a lot of work in, in history and hospitality. And so what they actually did with that building was they added a, on the amenity floor, they added a three bedroom, basically hotel, that's for tenants and tenants guests that can be reserved which is you know really cool very very forward thinking especially as you have you know a lot more of a hybrid model
3: i think that was um, the first group to do that in dallas i right? think
2: so i mean yeah. there's there's other buildings that have hotel space in their buildings but right. not not like that mckinney uh, and olive our building it's it, you know it's you know main not main, only is it, it walkable but you can literally get in and out of uptown in a heartbeat but you also have restaurants that, you know, you've got, you know, places for lunch, you've got places for happy Your hour after work. You've you got, everything. Yeah. You've got fitness, you've got yeah. a little bit of everything. And then and of course up in, in Las Colinas, you know, Williams square is a stunning, stunning property. And not only have they done a good job with creating that, that re- really recreating the building, but also, uh, the city of Irving, I believe just pumped 7.8 million into renovating the park the old with all the Mustangs and it they, they had just,
3: a yeah, just completed, yeah, I think grand, grand opening was Friday. Yeah.
2: And I mean, talk about not just, um, building ownership, recognizing the value in in wanting to create a space where people want to be, but at a city that wants to back that, right. wanting to invest money in, in creating space. Uh, and I'd say, you know, probably our, our urban towers another great option. Um, you know, you've got, you know, tons of money has been pumped into redoing all of the amenities in there from restaurants to gym, to all all common spaces. Yeah,
3: the gym in Urban Towers, have y'all ever seen it? It's bigger than- (laughs) Might be
2: the biggest gym I've ever seen in the office building.
3: I walk in there and I'm like, this is bigger than my gym. Like what? Yeah. And that's kind of where things are going.
0: It's, you know, things that are cutting edge, Mm -hmm. things that have, you know, all the different things that you can do in a gym. Right. It's ah, funny so. though. I love this
1: outdoor, outdoor activity with oh, these parks. Yes. They're being, I mean, it's just amazing. Once you makes you want to get out there. Lounges are nice. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah, yeah.
2: That's, that's actually a, a really cool new thing that I've started seeing a lot more is indoor um, outdoor gyms.
3: Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We yeah. saw the Tennyson um, mm-hmm. in Plano yeah. has a stack. Yes, yeah. There. yeah. There's a lot of, and then even just having the outdoor tenant lounge to hang out in the rooftop tenant lounges are big in Dallas. Um, but I mean, it's funny. People want the fitness center in their office, but I hardly ever see anybody in the fitness center <laughs> right. in their office. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it checks the box, and you can say you have a fitness center in your office. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I always think it's funny. I never and see it's people in it. Also,
0: not the fitness fitness center that buildings used to have, where it was like. The leftover space in the basement. Oh, yeah. with no yeah. windows. Mm-hmm. It's prime real estate. Yes. You know, on like, the first oh floor. God, like Lincoln right there Center, you walk in. right? No, like Lincoln
3: Center one, two, three. I think it, the new fitness center is in two. I yes, so I right. it is crazy. Like the amount of money that ownership is starting to put in buildings to really amenitize it. I love it. Yeah, it's it, buildings are starting to get super unique here, and it's exciting.
2: Well, and that, that's why I like the idea instead of looking at three buildings, looking at some submarkets because it's really at this point not just one ownership group that's realized they need to start amenitizing and making buildings better. It is becoming, and, and great for our clients, it is becoming a new norm. Is that we? It, it's not just that we as the and know, real estate community have recognized that this needs to happen. It's that as a whole, it's happening. And so, you know, when you're looking at someone who's worked from home and gotten comfortable over the last two years, the idea of getting them back into an office is not just getting buy-in from us, no. you know? I went home for two weeks when, when COVID hit. Now, partially because my wife said, I love you. You talk a lot. You <laughs> like a lot. Um, <laughs> But also because, you know, for what we all do, how are we going to be able to talk to people and say, hey, you should be back in your office? If we're
3: not even back in yeah, office, we got to sell the product, right. we got to be in the product we're selling. Exactly. Um, and, and if you're
0: not out engaging with people, it's really right. hard to do your job in our industry. Right. It just really is. Yeah.
3: And um, I mean, Hall has some cool stuff coming. They have a new office tower. So does Granite. But the Hall's new office tower coming in 2023. And then they have a whole plan to do like a boutique hotel, um, luxury high-rise residential, um, a community park, a food hall. So there's exciting stuff coming for yes. these different little sub-markets. Yeah. It'll be interesting yes. to see how DFW as a whole changes in the next 10 years. Yeah. Well, like I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I know, yeah, I love it. It's gonna be really great. We're so. in an amazing area to be doing real estate, yes. especially commercial. And, I mean, residential is hot right now, too. But, (laughs) um, no, it's a great spot. It really is. We really
1: appreciate y'all. This was such a great discussion and and so fun. And so thank you both for taking the time to be on our podcast and video series. And so. Yes, thank you both. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Joel. We We really appreciate you being here. Thank you for tuning in to Enterprise Design's Industry Insights video podcast. Please follow us and subscribe to our channel or visit us on our website at EnterpriseDesign.com.
0: And look for our teaser video highlighting the next episode. We look forward to seeing you then.